0: Thank
1: Your Mouth Podcast, a podcast all about phrase etymology and why we say the things that we say. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. He's my dad.
2: And she is my daughter.
1: That's how that works.
2: Yes, it is. Very nice. Good singing. I like (laughs) that. Yeah. All right. So today is going to be an interesting episode for me.
1: Hopefully they're all interesting, but this one may be interesting in a different way no, than the normal. No, rest,
2: the rest are garbage. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, this is the first time we're going to try to be interesting. So if you're <laughs> thinking you're listening to this podcast and you're like, Ah, it's not that great. It's not that interesting. Well, this one.
1: <laughs> this is the one. This
2: is the one. But I guess if it hasn't been that interesting, you're probably not listening.
1: Unless it's your first episode, in which case we've just made a very bad first impression.
2: Yay! But we hope you'll listen anyway because... A lot of times on this podcast, we like to have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot. Um, we we really enjoy doing this and being with each other, and so you'll you'll get a lot of laughs in most episodes. But this one probably not as many.
1: A little bit of a heavier episode, maybe.
2: Yeah, and I didn't intend for it to be. It's just kind of where this went. So, uh, without any further ado, I'm going to jump into it. And sure. And the phrase that I chose to research this week is "bury the hatchet." Okay. And you're, you're familiar with this phrase, right? I
1: am. Yeah. Gary Paulson.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you might want to share with the listeners uh, who Gary Paulson is.
1: There's a popular children's book called Hatchet by Gary Paulson.
2: Yes. And do they reference the term bury the hatchet in that book?
1: I mean, maybe. Okay. I have not read that book in a long time.
2: It's not on your uh, It's not on your uh, shelf right now?
1: No. I used to have a copy, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, it's not.
2: Uh, so if you, for some reason, again, if you're not aware of this, to bury the hatchet means to make peace with someone. Mm-hmm. Right, And so you get in a fight with someone and you want to make up, you would potentially say you want to meet and bury the hatchet. Mm -hmm. Although I don't think I've ever used that phrase.
1: Uh, Well, have you ever brandished a hatchet at anyone? Have you ever gone full carry A-Nation?
2: I I have not. uh, I have brandished a hatchet, but not towards a person. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I have used a hatchet for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they call me hatchet boy.
1: It's a very bad nickname.
2: No, I didn't choose it. No. <laughs> no, none of that is true. Um, so, of course, whenever we pick a phrase that we're going to research or look up, you know, we totally, just for our listeners, we don't guide each other on which phrase we should choose. Mm-hmm. It's totally up to whoever, um, whatever you want to do.
1: That's a pleasing random element.
2: Yes, it does. So, and we generally don't yeah. really know, we often know what. We are going to, you know, because I let you know what my Mm -hmm. phrase was this time. Yeah. But you didn't do any of the research. No. Just so the people listening kind of get more of an idea of how we do this. Yeah. So as we're having a conversation, really the majority of the information is as new to you right now in this moment as it is to the listener.
1: Truth. I'm learning along with
0: y'all. All
2: All right. So, you know, those, so that person like you right now Mm -hmm. sitting in your car in your silver Honda Accord eating lunch Mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Wendy's.
1: Yep, how's that burger?
2: Yeah, how's that? Is that tasty? Um, <laughs> I made her laugh by my weird little voice. <laughs> tasty? Um, and what I'm really hoping for is I hope I we totally just freak someone out. Yeah. they're really eating lunch in there. I
1: hope so, too. That Silver, would be delightful.
2: Honda Accord, and they're like, what? <laughs> they're watching me!
1: <laughs> and hey,
2: hey, don't worry about it. I mean, we are watching you, but don't worry about it but it's we're chill
1: we won't we tell anybody yeah except for all of our audience oh no
2: well there's a, well and admittedly that's not really that large so no. See, we're, you're, okay. you're probably fine so, when we do our research, um, which, like, how many hours do you normally take on an episode, would you say? Or how long do you take when um, you research?
1: It depends on, because some of the episodes end up being quite a bit longer, and sometimes I'm more energetic and more int- excited about the topic, and so we'll <laughs> dive into it more. Uh, but I would say generally between like three and five hours.
2: Yeah, me too. It, it very much depends. Um, mm-hmm. There are some amazing stories we bump into, and in different characters, and things that are happening and that's when it makes it fun yeah i start this is another one of those i started this one i'm like i don't know if there's enough here yeah but then i went down a certain path which um we're going to get to here in a few minutes which is going to be heavier this might be a little longer than normal episode we'll we'll see how it plays out um because i'm going to start with some kind of the story behind it where it came from we're going to do a stat dump, like a big stat dump, okay. and then we're going. To, you and I are going to have a conversation, okay. which, which I've kind of warned you about already. <laughs> All right. So, again, this this research really took me down kind of some places I wasn't expecting. But as is our way, and I think your way and certainly mine, as I'm doing research, when I bump into something that I'm like, oh, I don't really know what that is, but that sounds kind of interesting, we pursue that. Mm-hmm. We're going to look into that, bring that back to your... Bring bring that back here, and hopefully you listeners will find that interesting. So I knew, of course, I knew this was a Native American phrase yeah. to some extent, um, but I wasn't or sure at least if
1: referential to
2: yeah First it, Nation folks. Yeah. And it's like, is this something that is offensive? Is this okay? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the actual origins of it? Because right. I thought it maybe it's a little bit dicey.
1: Yeah. But, that's something that we have to keep an eye out for a lot because there's a lot of our phrases that have some rough roots.
2: Yeah. And we want to bring those up because I, hopefully you all care about that. But specifically for those of you who do care about the words and phrases you use, sometimes we find out there's a phrase that's out there and you go, oh, man, I... Mm-hmm. Like I've used that and I
1: had no I idea. I don't want
2: to use that Hunky Punky Dory. Kind of exactly. think of like
1: it, it's got some like twisted roots to that that most people like I, I just didn't know.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. Maybe there's some things. Uh, and, and again, that curiosity that we talk about in every episode hopefully le- leads to learning, which leads to action and change. Yeah, for sure. And this one definitely probably more than any other episode that we've done before. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty clear. Um, this is a literal phrase. Yeah. Um, and it is it is from Native American, indigenous people, whatever whatever phrase you want to use. And we're going to touch on some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty old phrase, but it's difficult to know exactly how old just because of the way that uh, Native Americans have recorded their history way, way back into many uh, thousands and thousands of years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And even hundreds of years ago, uh, there was not as much of a written tradition. It's much more of an oral tradition, from what I understand. Okay. So it's a little bit difficult to go, well, when did this start? We can't nail it down mm-hmm. when it's passed down orally. Right. That makes it pretty difficult. So we have to go, really, to after Christopher Columbus. hmm that's when you know the Europeans get there, and now the Europeans have this very specific way of recording history, which is also has its own problems. For sure, because it's written down by the victors. Yes, um, as we know, and there's going to be bias, which uh, is, is certainly something we need to be aware of. Doesn't mean we discard history,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: we become aware of who's writing this. We history. use a
1: lens to examine it and the intentions of the author.
2: Yes, as much as we're able to, because those types of things matter. Because there's times people don't tell the truth when it comes to things what? that have happened.
1: What? All my elementary school text, history textbooks lied to me about Thanksgiving? What? Oh, no,
2: it's all great. Uh-huh. That's what I'm It's referring very
0: wholesome.
2: To. Uh, it's all just fine. But my brain has really been swirling around a lot of these types of things about who gets to write the history. Um, What voices are we choosing to believe? What voices do we discard? And which voices do we maybe want to take with a little bit of a grain of salt? Yeah. Which is especially
1: important in very tumultuous times like these because history, of course, is always being made. And you just have to think a lot about what future years are going to tell about this year.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And some of the narratives and some of the voices that will survive this time in 100 years from now... You know, obviously, we don't get to t- to pick and choose, but there are definitely uh, powers, if you will, and people that may want to make sure their version of what happened is what gets carried on and remembered and spoken mm-hmm. of. And we have apps. We have, I mean, sometimes we don't really have any idea if what the re- what was recorded is actually what happened. Yeah. And we're choosing to believe it, and that's not always wrong, but we try to be aware. I think. And we should probably look at taking things with a grain of salt. That yeah, is, that that's is a good a, phrase, too. That is a good phrase. Okay. So, a lot of preface for this one. I apologize. <laughs> the first time this phrase appears in English is in um, this series of books called the Jesuit Relations. Okay. From the year 1644. Okay. And this is the excerpt from Jewish uh, Relations says, "Proclaim that they wish to unite all the nations of the earth, and to hurl the hatchet so far into the depths of the earth that it shall never be again be seen in the future."
1: Wow, that's way more like hardcore than yeah. the modern phrase.
2: <laughs> yeah, they had to shorten it. it, it
1: short hurl the hatchet in the depths of the earth—that is powerful. It's like a screamo song. I,
2: I would you like to do a screamo version? I of would that? not. Oh, okay, because that would be uh, that'd be kind of crazy. Um, we see this phrase again um, in a more in a prominent. It's probably not the only other time, but again, pretty prominently in 1870 uh, in the New England Historical and Genealogical Register, which was written by a guy named Samuel Sewall. You don't recognize that name, but you recognize what kind of made him famous for being a part of were the Salem witch trials.
1: Ah.
2: So this is a guy that was heavily involved in the Salem gotcha. witch trials. He recounts the bearing of hatchets by Native American tribes. And then it's this real old English, which I'll show you here. Meeting with ye sachem, the tribal leaders, they came to an agreement and buried two axes in ye ground, Which ceremony to them is more significant and binding than all articles of peace. The hatchet being a principal weapon with YM. And I don't know what the YM. With them. With them. Oh, does it? Yeah. It's an old-fashioned,
1: like... So. Yeah, there's some really weird stuff with, like, pronouns. We'll go into pronouns. We'll have a pronoun episode eventually, probably oh. next June for next Pride Month. Because um, okay. the history of pronouns is really wild and yeah. not as set in stone as people think.
2: Uh, so there's a couple in that, la- and I look forward to that. I think that will be a good one. Um, as I just kind of went through the first couple times where we've see- we saw this phrase in English... Um, There's a couple things that stood out that made me curious and I want to look into them a little bit. So I'm just going to kind of just briefly explain what they are. Um, So the first thing that caught my attention is this reference to Jesuit relations. I'm like, well, what Mm -hmm. is like, what is that? Like what's going on there? So, the Jesuit relations is a chronicle, the chronicles of Jesuit missionaries in what they called New France.
0: Okay.
2: New France were the parts of the New World that were owned by France or claimed Mm -hmm. by France. It is also known as, and here's where the French part is, and I'll say it, probably not great. Relations (laughs) des Jesuits de la Nouvelle France. Is that, look at that. that Yeah, Relations des Jesuits de
1: la Nouvelle France.
2: No, you say it better. Uh, um, so what happened?
1: Carol probably wouldn't think so. <laughs> well,
2: well, she's not here, and she's not going to listen. So Fair enough. She won't know. So these these works, these Jesuit missionaries are over in the New World, which they, of course, called New France because that's where they were. Mm-hmm. And they were written annually. It was kind of like their reports back. So the Jesuits would report back to the the church in in, in France, and then these became more popularized. And then they would sell these to raise money for their missions work. Okay. Which kind of bumps into some other problems, which we're not going to dive too deep into. But these poor natives, Mm -hmm. we need to bring them our religion because their religion is wrong and false. So there's all that swirling and going on.
1: That whole savagery complex that anyone who is not european must be a poor lost soul who yes needs the light
2: yes and they're more than willing to bring the light um so yeah so these so these were all written all these missionaries are writing these reports sending them back to the church turns out the public had an appetite for that type of a thing because the new world is out there and exotic and ah that's mm-hmm. all scary and crazy and You know, uh, all the different things that are going on. The descriptions of the First Nations, their cultures, and these reports are considered among the first ethnographic documents. Okay. Kind of cool. So, then I got into, well, I don't really know, like, ethnographic. I kind of have an idea, Mm -hmm. contextually, what that means. So, that is a branch off of the word ethnology. I did not know what ethnology was. Mm -hmm. Do you know?
1: Studied peoples.
2: Okay. It's a... (laughs) It's, for those, it's a oh, duh. It's a branch of anthropology in the sy- systematic study of individual cultures. So yes, the study of peoples, to put it <laughs> simply. So the guy who he wrote,
1: just gave me the dirtiest look. I did. I did like I
2: looked dumb, but that's okay. I'm used to it. you um, hard He's when, not dumb, y'all. when your daughter's smarter than you. It's that's a problem. not true. Oh come on. Uh, the guy who put this together is a guy. Not a great name, but it's okay. Ruben Gold Thwaites.
1: Oh, I like Thwaites, actually. Yep. I like that a lot. See, look
2: at that. A THW?
1: You don't see a whole lot of THW. I'm into it.
2: So Ruben Gold uh, mm-hmm. was a guy. He was an American librarian and historical writer. And one of the things that caught my attention is they're talking about Jesuit relations, that book. And it was they talked about Thwaites. You want to say Thwaites? I know you do. Thwaites. Yeah. So it talked about his monumental work of Jesuit relations. So I'm like, well, I gotta check that. Uh-huh. out. See what's going on there. So Mr. Thwaites was the secretary of the Wisconsin Historical Society, and between 1896 and 1901, he, he and his associates compiled compiled 73 volumes, including two volumes of in in oh I can't say that indices. Like indexes? the plural Indices. index. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure about that. I'm yeah. not seeing that word.
2: Yeah, and so these are some of the titles that they found in these works of Jesuit relations: um, marriage and marriage customs, courtship, divorce, social status of women, songs and singing, dances, games and recreation. Last little bit down this rabbit hole, as I thought then, well, what's a Jesuit? I kind of mm-hmm. had an idea, but I didn't know for sure. So.
1: Thought I'd look it up. That is fair, because that is definitely one of those words where I hear it and I'm like, I know what that is. No, I don't. (laughs)
2: It's religious. I mean, it's a a, a, a group of religious people. Uh Um, So what the Jesuits are is uh, they're members of the Society of Jesus, which is a Roman Catholic order of priests founded by St. Ignatius Loyola, St. Francis Xavier, and others in 1534 to do missionary work. And this order was zealous in opposing the Reformation. Okay. Not friends of our – or did not like our friend Martin Luther. Not a fan, okay. Not a fan. Not that he's our friend, but, you know. (laughs) So anyway, I could keep going and going because then I thought, well, who was St. Ignatius Loyola? And I'm like, Uh no, we've got (laughs) to stop somewhere. But that gives us a little more context.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: All right. So it is thought – this is where, for me, that was kind of cool, but then it started getting more interesting because what I found online was a reference back to more of a point where it really caught the attention of the English. Okay. Or the, the Europeans, I should say, that were coming into this new world and this new country.
1: Mm-hmm. So we're, like, we're honing in on like the latching in point of it into the English language.
2: Absolutely. Because yeah. this, to me, seems very clear this had been going on for a while right, among the, the Native American people. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they became aware of it because a pretty huge, significant thing happened. Now, again, the timing of this is really, we just don't know. Yep. Nail we, of time.
1: It's hard, to, oh. it's hard to see through.
2: And we have this sh- pretty big range of when this, may have ha- this event happened, this really big ceremony among some of the tribes in uh, Northern America, mm-hmm. which was called the Iroquois Confederacy. Okay. Have you heard of this?
1: I have not. I've heard of the Iroquois,
2: but... So here's part of the interesting thing. I spent a bit of time trying to research Native American history.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's not much there.
1: Right. Because it's been systematically destroyed and qu- made quiet.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it has been because I think for many, many different reasons. But it's I, I'm sure that there's people listening um, that would be like, well, you, know, you have some resources and that would be great to know about... I, in my limited researching skills, really couldn't find much at all pre-Columbus.
0: Because
2: it's like, white people come, now we're going to start telling the story, and whatever stories were there before either were ignored, erased, or we just, I can't find them, I don't know what they are, or they seem very based in more legend. Right. Um, Which the European way of looking at things is, I'm going to air quote, facts, Mm-hmm. Like we're going to record these facts and like this is going to have more value and certainly more permanence in many ways than in the oral tradition.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And certainly there was much more of a preference and more value placed on that written down um, recording than something that was oral.
1: Right. Well, especially since with... The systematic and widespread genocide of tribes, like, there's no one to carry on the oral history. So while oral history can have permanence in that it does, you know, live through generations and families, when those families are being killed, (laughs) the languages and the stories get lost.
2: Absolutely, because the people who knew the stories die. Right. And um, if you were your the person or some of the people in your tribe that was your job to remember the stories of your people mm-hmm. um they've played with some of those ideas and some of the science fiction like star trek has tied has, i'm sorry has played with a little bit of that yeah about his you know civilizations recording their history mm-hmm. and wanting to pass on their story because it's important for all of us that people know what our stories are and value our stories and our experiences right. and it's important so, um, we think that this, this Iroquois Confederacy may have happened before Columbus and it may not have, don't know. Okay. I kind of have some theories on it, but I don't know for sure. So they think it might've happened before 1492 mm-hmm. and, um, with the latest date, they think it it was either a little bit before 1492 or all the way up to 1550.
1: Oh, wow. So yeah. Pretty big breadth of time.
2: Really big breadth of time. Yeah. So a little bit, a little bit of the history that I could find, um, so, in North, Amer- North America, in the southern Great Lakes regions, you have five major tribes. Mm-hmm. Okay? You've got the Mohawk, and I'm so sorry if I'm saying some of these wrong, I don't mean to. The Mohawk, Oneida, Onondaga, the Cayuga, and the Seneca peoples.
0: Okay.
2: Um, each nation. Within this Iroquois confederacy, each had their, their own distinct language, their own territory, mm-hmm. their own function, their own—you know—they had their own way of life, yeah. right? Their own, their own way they did things, their own traditions. Guess
1: what? Indigenous communities were were not homogenous. <laughs> There's a lot of different cultures,
2: <laughs> which we are going to get into that a yeah. little bit.
1: That's a common misconception.
2: So you've got these five nations, and this group was often called the Five Nations, and they did add a sixth one in the 1700s, but okay. it's quite a bit later. You've got these original five, and they referred themselves, another new word, by the autonym Ha Okay. which means people of the long house. Okay. I feel I like did, I've
1: heard that word before. I did
2: not know what an autonym was. Mm-hmm. You may, you probably do. Do you know what an autonym is?
1: Self named.
2: Yes, it is a, a name used by a group or a category of people to refer to themselves or their language, as opposed to a name given to them by another group. Okay, That's an that honorable. makes sense. Very good. Thanks. Very good. That was awesome. Hey,
1: my degree is worth something. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: yes. That point in the podcast, it all is all worth it. <laughs> so as I got into this confederacy and the formation of this confederacy, again, you, you know how this works. You start kicking over stones, and all of a sudden, you see some things, and you're like, "Oh, I'm interested in that." Mm-hmm. There was this guy referred to as the Peacemaker, okay, and that was his title. The Peacemaker helped bring about this treaty between these five nations, and I'm like, "Well, what are we like? What the Peacemaker? Mm-hmm. Like that's the guy's name? This is some legendary stuff going on here with this guy, the known as the Peacemaker." But this whole Confederacy was really the work of two men, Hiawatha, and the peace. You've, you've heard of um, you've heard of Hiawatha? Have I? No. I don't know. Hiawatha is a name I'm familiar with. Okay. Um, and I apologize. It's Peacekeeper. So I said oh, okay. Peacemaker. It's Peacekeeper. Okay. I apologize. And as a mark of respect, there are still some, apparently some people that will avoid saying his name except in per- special circumstances. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're getting okay. that feel now of how yeah. the reverence towards this Was guy that just
1: in the time or is that extending to today?
2: I don't know. It was a little vague. My understanding was it was probably extended till today
1: oh, okay. that they will
2: still refer to him as the peacekeeper, okay, and uh, and not say his name. So okay. again, I have to look into a little bit about this guy. Yeah, and there's some stories. Let me tell you. So according to stories, he was born a Huron. That's a tribe. Mm-hmm. And by some accounts, his mother was a virgin. Meaning oh, he had okay. a miraculous birth. Yeah. Okay. Miraculous conception. Yep. Um, he was a prophet who counseled peace among the warring tribes, and he called for an end to ritual cannibalism, which was a thing. Yeah. So, and then according to some legends, his first ally, and this is the name I thought you'd like, was uh, J- Jigam Hasasi.
1: It, it looks lovely. I don't... I could not even begin to try to pronounce. Jagan
2: Sisi. That. That's what I'm going to go okay. with. Okay. So she lent. We're yeah, very sorry. She lent her home for the meeting of the leaders of this ritual tribal of the nations. Okay. And then the grace, the great peacemaker. Um, um, so they, it, you know, what I, I reverse the apology because they apparently they go between peacemaker and peacekeeper. It is somewhat.
1: Oh, okay. They go back and forth. I it mean, is, it is. It is a translation.
2: Yeah. And, so they're both okay. Okay. So, Hiawatha is really his main – His he's the, the peacemaker, peacekeeper's right-hand man. Okay. Um, and he was more known – he was more of this guy's speaker. Mm. And he really helped him bring this vision, bringing to these tribes this idea of peace. And so, here's some of the things that they – I wanted to go over some of the major objectives that they wanted to bring about. out. Um, and they're trying to, to pitch to these different people groups. Uh, they wanted to eliminate the incessant inter-tribal warfare, which Okay. Yeah, That sounds
1: like that would be – hard to deal with.
2: Yeah. They wanted to create peace and give united strength and I wonder why that would be. That's where I think it had to be after Columbus. Yeah. Because what do they need to create united strength against what? I mean there's
1: there's
2: there's other other
1: enemy of my enemy is my friend but also groups working together can be advantageous for a number of reasons especially as they were all kind of Developing their own technologies and stuff, too. Sure. Um, Sharing that around makes things a lot faster. Hello, people making COVID vaccines. (laughs) Yeah. Hurry up. Capitalism is not efficient in this case. Let's all work together.
2: Uh, The other objective is to create a powerful force of tribes to safeguard existing Iroquois territory and defend against invasion. To expand their territories, of course, and to establish a democratic government with representative forms for each of the tribes to ensure fairness and equality. I do still think that that's quite possible that this was formed. There's this whole bunch of new people starting to come into our land. Yeah. And no, it, we better, that's a
1: fair We estimate. better figure something
2: out. Right. You know? And that would give their message that much more power. Mm-hmm. Because it could be like, hey, we've been fine for a long time. Why do we need you guys and your vision? Right. Well, we got these people coming in. They don't seem to be going anywhere.
1: A new enemy.
2: Yeah, potentially, which turned out very... Uh, very Definitely an enemy. Okay, so according to some legends, um, initially the Mohawk, uh, one of the first tribes that they uh, came to to try to get into this confederacy, they rejected the message of the great peacemaker. So he decided to do this thing to show that he was like this prophet, like he had... Like Mm -hmm. some supernatural protection or abilities.
1: Right. Uh, A calling. Yeah, destiny.
2: Yeah, so to demonstrate his purity and spiritual power, he climbed a tree high above the uh, the Cohos Falls or the Cajonios Falls. Okay. And he told the Mohawk warriors, he's up in this tree and he tells the guys, cut the tree down. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, Obviously, the, the tree falls, so he disappears into the rapids. And they're like, "Oh, well, okay, great. He's dead. Um, bye, bye. Thanks for your idea." But the next morning, he's sitting by the campfire. Oh, so obviously they're greatly impressed by his miraculous survival. Mm-hmm. They become the finding the. They become the founding tribe of the Iroquois Confederacy. Okay, because of this this thing that happened. This stunt. <laughs> so. As they go forward and they're talking to the other tribes now and they're getting the buy-in, they decide they're going to have this ceremony to to celebrate and recognize their you know, their agreement and hostilities mm-hmm. and become this confederacy. So, as the story goes, the peacemaker chose a white pine tree whose height pierced the firmament and whose needle clusters in groups of five. the represented- firmament. Oh, I know. Isn't that great?
1: I... I- the whole concept of the ferment uh, delights me every time I hear of it.
2: Yeah, it's it's awesome. So he they find this big white pine tree, and the the branches or the needles cluster in groups of five, representing the five nations. Okay. Um, the Peacemaker explained that the the white pine tree retains its color throughout the seasons. So too, the great peace forever would hold sway over the five nations. Oh, that's nice. So this tree of peace was pulled from the ground by its roots. And the Great White Root had grown in four directions, north, south, east, and west. Into the resulting hollow were buried all the weapons of war. Oh. And from this place, strong currents of water would carry the weapons away, never to be used again in combat. Hmm. An eagle was placed upon the top of the tree to see far into the distance and warn the Haudenosaunee of approaching danger. Okay. Then the Peacemaker took an arrow from each of the nations and bound them together to symbolize the power of unity. Because obviously one arrow can break and bend easily, but five adds strength. Mm-hmm. So the, the peacemaker apparently said, We have now completed our power so that we have the five nations' confederacy shall in the future have one body, one mind, and one heart. If any evil should be false in the future, we shall stand or fall united as one man. And in fact, so the founding fathers were, were very aware of this, this, this confederacy and this kind of a constitution or whatever, uh, this agreement that they made. And this Confederacy actually influenced the United States Constitution. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the whole and what well, you
1: mean? A bunch of the white guys, those all white guys, weren't the first people to ever invent democracy. Well, I I've don't been know. lied to. It
2: seems it seems unlikely, but apparently it might be a possibility. Wild. I know. <laughs> so the again, like I said, uh, so George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, are known to have greatly admired the concepts of the Iroquois Confederacy, mm-hmm. and it influenced their own. Uh, leadership, and yeah, I mean obviously... that's
1: that's very much in the dialogue of like you know, united we stand, divided we fall, all
2: that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and so they they saw this and go, hey, let's borrow that and let's kill all of them.
1: Great, and
2: that's where we're gonna now the podcast turns a little bit more heavy, and yeah. we're gonna talk about some stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's important
1: stuff to talk about.
2: Yeah, and we're especially and
1: I... for white people. <laughs> Yeah. Like we're not experts in this and But we need to learn this stuff And other white people listening And other non, non-native people Like it is not Our job to sympathize With the struggle of Indigenous peoples It's our job to make
2: right Yeah and there is more to make right Than I knew um, I have a friend of mine A Facebook friend And we don't hang out I've known him I've known of who he was For many years And it's always very dicey and tricky to go, hey, I would like to talk to you Mm -hmm. about, you know, who you are and your experience and the experiences of your people. And I just feel like the bull in the china shop. And I'm like, I'm probably saying things wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the guy who's going to the oppressor, the person representing the oppressor, going to someone who Mm -hmm. represents the oppressed and go, could you please explain to me your oppression?
1: Because that is not their job.
2: It's not. So I try to walk very carefully down those paths and this guy was very willing to let me ask questions I didn't just start with the questions and said hey doing this podcast this is what's going on Mm -hmm. he didn't really understand what I was going after at first he thought I just wanted information about the phrase I wanted it wasn't I already figured that out I wanted his experience I wanted Mm -hmm. to understand what he'd been through and it turns out I asked a very exactly the right person these questions because he's all about the experiences of Native American people when I first became aware that there was an issue... I mean, it goes back to when I was a kid. hmm um, We used to play cowboys and Indians. Right. Who were the villains every time? Right. The Indians. The only Indian I ever saw approached and I would eat sort of a positive light was Tonto and the Lone Ranger.
1: Which, whoops, also not great.
2: Super problematic, <laughs> yep. right? But, you know, he... At, at least he wasn't the villain mm-hmm. and he was, you know, there's all kinds of really difficult things in that portrayal as well, but he wasn't the bad guy, which was kind of newer right? because you go into all these old Westerns and like the Indians are savages and mm-hmm. they do all these horrible things and victimizing these poor pioneers that are just trying to make a living right? Uh, invading their land and they can't, Understand why these people are upset.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that's the image I grew up with. But I just got to thinking about how problematic even the game Cowboys and Indians was as a kid. Yeah, Nobody wanted to be the Indians. Right. Because the Indians were the bad guys. Uh-huh. So, anyway, um, I first really started to understand some of the problems that were out there and what had been done to the people that were here before Columbus got here. There's actually a movie. Uh, I love movies. Uh, there's a movie called Wind River, which most of you probably have not heard of. I haven't heard of it. Uh, actually, starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. Okay. So big names.
1: Yeah, I know who those people are.
2: Yeah. Um, at the end of the movie, it, it, the whole movie is about Jeremy Renner is kind of like this hunter. He's mm. like a, he works like for the Wildlife Association. He gets rid of dangerous animals like okay. wolf is terrorizing or mountain lion. He's got to go take him out. Elizabeth Olsen is like from New York or Boston or something. A Native American woman gets murdered on one of the reservations. Okay. And this FBI agent who is way out of her league, this takes place like in Montana or Idaho or something, mm-hmm. and it's winter time. And um and, and Jeremy Renner is going to assist her now as she's investigating this murder of this young okay. this young woman. At the end of the movie, and it's a really good movie, and I would encourage you to watch it. These words pop up on the screen. While missing person statistics are compiled for every other demographic, none exist for Native American women.
0: Mm.
2: Then the next, then that goes away. And then it says, no one knows how many are missing.
0: Oh,
1: that's
2: rough. It gets rougher.
1: Yeah, I believe it. Um,
2: so, again, I wanted more information. So I reached out to my friend Mike. And uh, it, it actually took him a few days to respond.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I asked
2: if I could ask him some questions. I asked the questions, and I heard nothing for three days. Okay, and he was like, "No, no, I'm just organizing my thoughts. Sorry about that, but oh,
1: okay.
2: um, he's he was fine. He just right. needed some time. No, to, it's
1: understandable to take time with.
2: Yeah, hundred percent, yeah. no problem at all. He apologized. I'm like, no, 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 you're fine. <laughs> he's actually a pastor.
0: Okay,
2: and he runs a ministry called Four Fires. And um, I'm gonna share. I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna do a uh, info dump here in a minute. A stat dump. And I'm just going to read them. Okay. Um, you can interrupt if you want or comment on them. It's fine. This first part is mine. I'll let you know when I'm going to the stats he provided to me. Okay. Okay. Um, again, some of the statistics of what happened years ago, piercing through the veil of time, a little difficult. We don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I was curious. I thought, well, well, how many people were here? Columbus comes here and doesn't land in North America. You know, like the West Indies or whatever. Which the whole name Indian. You know where right. that where that came from. Right. Columbus is looking for a path to India. He gets to the West Indies and in the Car- the Caribbean somewhere, and he's like, "You guys are Indians because this is India." Uh-huh. And they're like, mm, what? No, "What? What? What's no. that word? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, sure, whatever." Um, and it, it's amazing to me that that has persisted, obviously, until mm-hmm. today. It's crazy. They were clearly not Indians.
0: Mm-hmm. They
2: were the indigenous native people that were living in the Americas. Mm-hmm. Um, in North America, they estimate there were between 2.1 million to 18 million people living
0: mm-hmm. in
2: what we call the United States. In the Americas, they estimate those are probably around 50 to 60 million people. Today, in America, there are about 5 million Native Americans living in the United States. Wow. Uh, of the people that lived in America, they estimate of uh, the percentage of people, the indigenous tribes that were wiped out was about 90%. Ugh. So if you figure maybe if we're going to cut the middle between you know, two and a half, 18 million people, maybe there's seven, eight million people here. Maybe that's more accurate. 90% of them wiped out after the white man gets here. Um, Now, most of that is through the spread of disease, okay? And there is evidence that some of the spread of that disease was intentional. Mm -hmm. Uh, During the Seven Years' War, British militia took blankets from their smallpox hospital and gave them as gifts to two neutral uh, Indian dignitaries during a peace settlement negotiation. According to the entry in the captain's ledger to convey the smallpox to the Indians. Uh, there is a threat delivered by a fur trader named James McDougall, who's quoted as saying to a gathering of local chiefs, You know the smallpox. Listen, I am the smallpox chief. In this bottle, I have it confined. All I have to do is pull the cork, send it forth among you, and you are dead men. But this is for my enemies and not my friends. When I saw... 90% I mean you have tears in your eyes right now Um, and uh, I, I I don't know what to do about that I don't know what to do with that information there's clearly nothing I can do about it but so from my friend Mike this is what he gave me there are over 574 federally recognized tribes in the United States this does not include all the state-recognized tribes and non-recognized ones. Each tribe has their own culture and beliefs, so there's no inclusive answer that covers all tribes. So before he gave me all this information. Okay. Um, I'm just going to blast through this. A lot of percentages, a lot of numbers. Among Native Americans, and he and I asked him, so what should, what, what should I call people who were mm-hmm. here before Columbus? He said, we pretty much all by go by uh american indian mm-hmm. some prefer indigenous tribes some prefer the their, their tribe because yeah. you get this idea that we're like well you're all indians right. and like no we're not we're mohawk and we're cherokee mm-hmm. and we're iroquois and we know we're yeah
1: it's not homogenous no it, right. but
2: i just realized my own racist belief in a way of Oh my gosh, I kind of thought all these people were the same because they're all Indians. Right. Like, no.
1: Well, and that's the danger in boiling down an entire, you know, variety of people into one word.
2: Yeah, and I I kind of had this idea of this. And I, I don't mean, I'm not making light of this. I'm just being sarcastic about it. Like, Columbus gets here and he's like... Like I said, hey, this is India. Like, I don't know what Mm -hmm. you're talking about. No, no, you're Indians. Like, "Uh, okay. No, you're all Indians. Mm -hmm. No, I'm actually a Mohawk. No, you're an Indian. That's a good try, though. You're the same as that guy over there. Are you you kidding me? He's my mortal enemy. Mm -hmm. You know, or or whatever. Their tribes are incredibly different than mine. No, no, you're all Indians. Right. Like, how incredibly patronizing. Yeah. Incredible. So.
1: And that's definitely a point where, too, we talked about this a couple months ago of how... Even within groups, like, even within, like, a tribe, individuals will have different preferences on the words they're comfortable with. Of course. And, like, ask people. (laughs) Just ask people. It's not that hard, guys. It's okay to respect an individual's want for one word versus another. I see so many people get angry, like, well, people can't make up their mind. And it's because, like... Because they're, they're not speaking for everyone. Everyone is yeah. different. And some people may be okay with being called Indian. Like, that's a word sure. that's been reclaimed in a lot of ways. Yep. But other people, that brings up understandably horrifying shit for them. Yeah. And they shouldn't have to be put up put up with being called that if they don't want to and again, listen to people.
2: It's not that hard to use what people... Are looking for and they're comfortable with, right? It just it's it's you're kind of being a jackass if you're like <laughs> no I no you're an Indian right like, come on it's not that hard they're people and this is not and this these stats are going to show this is not an ancient problem this is not an ancient problem this is not something like well that ha- well wait a minute Dave this all happened like in the <laughs> 17 and 1800s we don't have to we can't do anything about that okay if that's your perspective hold on a second. I'm about to call you out on your bullshit. Here are stats of happening right now. Among Native American people, the rate of obesity is 177% higher than the U.S. general population. Native people have the highest rate of type 2 diabetes in the United States. Between 1994 and 2004, diabetes rates among Native youth aged 15 to 19 rose 68%. Suicide is the second most common cause of death for Native youth ages 15 Mm. to 24. This is the highest rate of any population in the United States, four times higher. Alcoholism mortality rate is 55. I'm sorry, I said it wrong because I thought it would be lower. Alcoholism mortality rate is 514% higher than any other racial group in the United States. 22.9% 22.9% of youth 12 and older report alcohol abuse. 18.4% binge drink. 16% drug abuse. Teens, young adult, and middle-aged adults have the highest rates of methamphetamine and associated trauma in the U.S. Mm. International drug cartels are increasingly targeting Indian country as a drug market. Causes for alcohol substitute substance abuse. Poverty. Cultural loss, domestic abuse, physical and mental health issues. Mike says we have the highest rates of coronary heart disease, asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, arthritis, high blood pressure, high blood cholesterol, and depression. Mm. We have the lowest level of education of any ethnic group in the United States. About 46% of all Native American women have experienced some sort of physical abuse involving rape, stalking, or dating or domestic violence. Mm. There are still over 4,000 unsolved cases of missing, murdered Native women. In Montana, the life expectancy for Native American women is 62. That's 20 years less than non-Native American women. Mm. The life expectancy for Native American men in Montana is 56. Wow. That's tough. Yeah. I I I don't know what to do with that. But it's really been bothering me that I... We consume a lot of information and a lot of media and a lot of stuff every day. And you hear you hear tragic... If you're paying attention, you're hearing tragedies and tragic information every day. Yeah. This one kind of grabbed me by the throat a little bit. Um, and I just... I don't know what I'm going to do. But I can't... I don't feel like I can read that and go, oh, that sucks. Well, anyway, right. you know, what are you watching on TV tonight? Right. I don't know what the answer is, but I've, I've talked to my friend and I said I want to know more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, do you have any thoughts on all that?
1: I mean, yeah, I have I mean, a lot of thoughts.
2: Well, and I and I have a little bit more I want to go through that yeah. I've kind of scripted out yet, but I want just if you want to respond for a minute.
1: No, I mean, it's obviously there's there's deep, deep, tangled, systematic roots as to why these statistics are the way they are. And I think a lot of people would be tempted to look at them and say, you know, well, what are they doing wrong? Because <laughs> <sighs> I've seen that conversation happen. And like I said before, we need to realize that these problems are not, they shouldn't have to be on on the victims of the problem. It yeah. It's on the shoulders of those that created the environment where this can happen. And and that's, you know, that is what the government should be looking out for people like this. And white people should be educated about this because it is our ancestors that committed these crimes that led to the legislation that led to the systematic oppression and to just the poverty and the disenfranchisement and the racism that people have to face every day. And it's... Sickening, And it's, yeah, I mean, that's really, it's, it's horrifying and sickening and there's just.
2: I, and he also, my friend also shared with me just some of his own personal story of the discrimination that he's bumped up against. And I'm not going to share that because I, it just didn't get, I wanted to get specific permission to share that. And I wasn't able to get here back from until then. So I'm not going to. Okay there's another podcast that I've run in the past called an open letter. And I think we're going to revive it's dead, but I'm going to revive it. I think I want to have Mike on there because I need okay. to know more and I want to get his story out there yeah. and the story of if he's, if he wants, of
1: course, if he wants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and thank you so much, Mike. I know that there's a lot of emotional labor in talking about these things because it is your life and it's what you have to live with every day. And it shouldn't have to be your job to bring this stuff to us. But we appreciate your voice in this and we appreciate your time.
2: Yeah. And, uh, cause it's, it just can't even begin to wrap my head around what that would be like and feel like to have knowing that I live in this country that did that to my people.
0: Yeah.
2: And I've got to live among them. And I'm, he's experiencing himself all the time. Yeah. Just some of the ignorance and some of the, the systemic racism and just the, the way he's still treated it today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, reading this, I'm reading this book because I, I try to wrap my head around this. and I'm trying to understand it. And it just ties in well with this book I'm reading right now. One of my favorite authors is a guy by the name of Jeff Shara. Jeff Shara writes um, historical fiction. And he always writes about American battles. So, Civil War, World War One, World War Two—all of them—he's written books on, and I highly encourage you to go read them because they're good. He's going to fill in thoughts and conversations, of course, because we don't know what those were. But he'll right. so it's like reading a novel, but he does extensive research to make sure that what he's presenting is factual, and then mm-hmm. the dialogue and the thoughts right. of the is color, yeah, yeah, it's color, and it would seems like it'd be very on point and very consistent with mm-hmm. who the people are. Um, and so, in the story "Waking the Giant," it's about the attack on Pearl Harbor. Okay. So I'm going to talk a minute, and I, I'm not trying to pick on the Japanese, but they're just they were part of the book, so I'm just going to use the Japanese as an example.
0: Okay.
2: The Japanese in that day were very, um, very colonial. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's
1: say the Japanese government, the because Japanese all the all the people yeah, of yeah, the yeah, time yeah, for were sure. not. No,
2: good. Correct. Yeah. Good. Correct. So there were voices in the Japanese government that. We're they're imperialistic mm-hmm. We want to take over the countries Japan as we've talked about In a previous episode Is a series of thousands of islands They had limited natural resources
0: mm-hmm.
2: Japanese people The Japanese government The leaders are like We want to And this is just representative Of English and French and Spanish And all mm-hmm. the other imperialistic Colonial uh, activities that were going on Very right. popular there in that time There were many There's a There ton are of many So this whole idea of And I, I just mm-hmm. tie it I just used the because of the example of the book. I'm not saying the Japanese were any better or any worse than anyone else that was doing the same things or worse. But so you've got – we've got this people group. So we've got to provide for our people. We want to expand. Mm-hmm. We want to grow. And to do that, we're going to need resources. We don't have the resources.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We know who has the resources. Now, we could go and we could buy the resources from the people who have them. But that costs money.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And it would be easier if we just took their resources. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go take the resources. Now, the majority of the people, regardless of where they are, are probably not going to be in favor of the government doing this. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, oh, wait a minute. Why are we going over there and killing those people? Because the people who own the resources don't want you taking their stuff. So they're going to try to fight. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to kill them and enslave them properly. Probably. And we're going to need to... Pitch this to the people, or they're we're not going to be in power very long. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the answer is you start to tell your people, "Well, we're superior to them," right? And and you know this, yes. But you, you, but you, you (laughs) boil it down and you like bear it, Mm -hmm. uh, the truth of what it is, and in in this real basic terms to understand what's happening, and the people start to a lot of people Mm -hmm. start to believe. Yeah, we are superior. And yes. that was very much pitched right. to the people group of, we can go invade China because we're superior to them. Right. We can go take their land. We're actually doing them a favor. Right.
1: Because they're savages. Because they're yes. dehumanized.
2: And they're, yes. Yeah. And you make stuff up about them and you, whatever you need mm-hmm. to do. And so more and more of the population go, well, that sounds about right. I would like to have a better life, which means I need these resources. And if we're right. better than them, we can just go take them.
1: The Danger of nationalism.
2: Yeah, and we are in the midst of nationalism. If you listen to this podcast, you have an idea of where we are and things, and we're not yeah. shy about it.
0: No.
2: When you're when you're saying America first as yes. your one of your primary slogans, I have a huge problem with that. It
1: implies it, a certain lesser status as human to every other country on this earth.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is
1: if, sickening.
2: It's a it's a big problem, um, and that again I don't if I want to mention Mike's. Um, he's got a website. It's called Four Fires. The number four and then the word fires dot org. org. Okay. If you um, now he's he's a pastor. Um, and, okay. you may, and you may have a people listening. You may have a problem with that. Um, if you if you are not someone who he's he's trying to in his own way bring he's trying to help. His people, And he's going to do it in a way that involves religion. Okay. And if you're, I understand some people listening, they may be like, well, that's not my thing. Then I wouldn't donate to him. Uh But if you're, he, I I very much believe in his mission in many, in many different ways. But um, educate yourselves, find out how you can help. This is Mm -hmm. ridiculous that this is happening under our noses and nobody cares. And always has been. And you just, did you know, like, the, the, the stats we read, did you know any of that stuff? I,
1: I knew that there were, of course, I, I, I knew the shadows of it, but I didn't know the concrete numbers. And, and they are harrowing. Um, it, we'll we'll include a link to, to Mike's website in the episode description for this. And we'll also include a couple other resources where you can find out information from indigenous folks. Yeah. Um, And some other charities we'll throw in there, too. Um, I'll probably post some poetry as well. I like it. My favorite poet, Christos, is uh, a two-spirit native um, and just writes really powerful poetry on these topics about the poverty in the indigenous populations. And it's very hard-hitting stuff. It's sometimes hard to read, but it's a really good encapsulation of, of...
2: you know, there's this whole idea of things happening on your watch, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I am, you know, the, the protest that we've been seeing this year in 2020, um, you know, we I've been to some, you've been to some. Yep. And I, I and it, it's not to take anything away. I'm like, and I was talking to my wife the other day and I'm like, oh, you remember the last time we had that big protest for Native American people, right? It Doesn't happen. Yeah, there's nobody protesting. I yeah. mean, there are there are not, not not to silence those voices and to diminish no. what those people are doing, but you see people by the thousands and millions taking the streets, which is great. Yes, but for sure, yeah, it's not to diminish that. No, it's, not it's very
1: com- important and and yeah, deserves support. Um, but so do Native American populations.
2: Yeah, it's not a competition, and
1: but- they shouldn't have to be fighting against the terrible things happening to the environment they shouldn't be bearing the brunt of that themselves too because in a lot of cases they're heading those protests to protect the land that is theirs
2: Yeah, and been here for thousands and thousands of years right it's time to educate yourself become aware you we can do something about this we should do something about this this is evil Mm
1: -hmm. yes this is incarnate
2: this is as wrong as it gets yeah and some of you out there might be like, well, yeah, but these people are making decisions. Yeah, I know. I know. But it's so easy to be outside that group and go, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, mm-hmm. if you were in that story, you can guarantee me you wouldn't do that. Right. You wouldn't become an alcoholic. Right. Yeah. It's impossible to say and it. It's stupid. We have a group of people that are suffering and we need to come alongside them, not to rescue them or save them because we're not the white savior. No. But when you see somebody suffering... And someone in need, hopefully we want to help and come alongside them. And that can look a lot of different ways. Right. But we don't just go, oh, it's your fault, like you said earlier. Right. It's too bad you're a victim. It's kind of your fault you're a victim.
1: Right. That's not how that works. Not helpful. Nope. And that's what the government has basically been doing for them forever. And also most of media. Yeah. Yay.
2: So... Uh, as we do at the end of every podcast episode,
0: mm-hmm.
2: what was? Is there anything that stood out to you? I'm sure there's a lot, but what are maybe one or two things that really kind of caught your attention?
1: I mean, I think. I mean, we normally frame this as like favorites, which is obviously not applicable here. Yeah,
2: that's why. Yeah. But
1: what? I mean, I think everybody just needs to sit with the 90 percent statistic. I just, just sit with that. And don't shy away from it and just sit with that.
2: Yeah. And uh, if you are, uh, I think uh, hopefully a lot of times people listen to our our podcast and I hope they enjoy it and I hope they have fun and they laughed and they learned something kind of fun and quirky. and um, It's not the experience we want you to have after this one, of course. Nope. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm not going to add my own. I, I'm going to just join you with that because that is the most, that's a inc- horrifying, horrifying number.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and that all of it was so much it was done and even they would say in the name of religion. Mm. Um, and you got to wrestle with that and you got to think about that because that's a problem. Yeah. Uh,
1: the conflation of religion with, with money and with yeah. greed and with vilification and genocide is something that has happened far, far, far too often, especially mm. out of a book that disagrees with those things. I mean, for the yeah. most part, the Bible has yeah. its shit. Sure it for does. sure. Um,
2: but it's the bastardization. To do
1: that in the name of Jesus.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, read the Sermon on the Mount. and When when religious certainty gets paired with political power, bad things happen. Yes. And if you are a believer in your pursuit of political power exceeds or matches or even comes close to your pursuit of the kingdom of god you you gotta really rethink some stuff because that's that's a problem it's never gone well so i could go on and on but i won't Mm -hmm. we're a little over our normal time for an episode so we're gonna go ahead and uh we're gonna we're gonna wrap it
0: yeah
1: but thank you all for for coming to listen um please seek out uh or check out the resources that we'll link here, and continue to do your own research to, you know, be good citizens of the world and educated about the atrocities that happen in it. Especially if you're going to vote. Please vote.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and please vote in a way that honors life, um, yeah. Yeah. and by that I do not mean pro-life,
0: uh,
1: I mean truly honoring life in life. all of its forms, and I won't say
2: more than that, but... yes.
1: Um, we got yeah. a little
2: political, and, uh, and we don't apologize. And, no,
1: but, it's it's almost November. I'm not going to shy away from it.
2: Please nope. vote. <laughs> yep, no, and we, we definitely are not going to shy away from it. And, no, and, uh, if we are not going to become a political podcast, and we're not gonna, we're not gonna. You know really shot about this every episode but we're not going to be shy about it either. no nope,
1: but i'll probably tell you to vote every episode until november yep. <laughs> so and probably after because you should yeah. always be voting because it's yeah. something that we can do and we should be doing more but at least start there
0: yeah um
1: right. again thank you mike for being willing to use your time and energy to speak with us about this we really really appreciate it um Thank you to Tony Gephardt for our theme song. Uh, y'all can come visit us on our Facebook page where we'll be posting more resources and where we post pictures relating to our episodes. Um, so you can kind of join the conversation there. Uh, we also have a Twitter and you can follow us on most streaming platforms. Yep. Anything else?
2: No, thanks for listening as always. And if you're, you made it this far, thank you for getting through this entire episode mm-hmm. and, uh, just share the information. That's one of the best things you can do is make other people aware. And that's when movements and plans and things can start to happen.
1: Yeah. And share Mike's website. Um, please yeah. share share that around because he was very generous with his time. And um, we definitely want to see him succeed in his mission.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: So, okay. Well, thank you all for being here. I'm Milo. I'm Dave. Stay curious.